This is Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Scott Bertram. We're joined today by State Senator Joe Bellino from the 16th State Senate District, representing areas including Hillsdale here. Senator Bellino, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for calling. Appreciate your time. Lots to discuss today since our last conversation, as the House and Senate have both been in uh, in action. I think we need to start with the, uh, the the legislation, and most of this, if not all of this, that we discuss has not been signed yet by the governor, but is headed to her desk. And we, we start with this green energy, clean energy legislation mandating uh, percentage use by 2035, by 2040. Um, people are very interested in exactly what this lays out, Joe. Can you tell us what the governor is likely to sign here in the near future? Well, what it lays out is that DTE consumers and other big utilities have set a timeline to be green and to be clean by 2050 and carbon-free. Well, the Democrats decided to move that up and move the percentages up, and I think they're going to put our grid in, in peril. They, they, uh, they passed a, a bill, party-line vote, to if a farmer wants to or somebody wants to, they can sell all of their property for solar or wind production without any approval from the local jurisdictions. And that was a sticking point that was a that had packed Lansing for a couple of days the last few weeks with lots of people showing up. Why are you taking away local control? Democrats, you've been preaching local control for 50 years, and now you want to take it away? Well, here's why they want to take it away, because they've told me and many people in my area, we're going to shut down the coal burner, we're going to shut down all the gas plants, and we're going to have green energy. Well, they have no idea how it's going to work or how much they need or where it's going to fit into our structure of all energy right now. And, and so they want to get rid of the gas and, and the coal and go green. And I think it's a bunch of BS. And to take away local control from all of our districts is crazy because here's the deal. They're not going to build, build solar fields in Wayne County. Mm-hmm. They're not going to build windmills in Wayne County. And we need about the same acreage Wayne County has. This is from the NPSH chairman. We need about the same acreage that Wayne County has to fulfill our green needs in the next 35 years, which is atrocious. So it's all going to be outstate. It's going to be in the areas that bleed red, uh, Republican areas. Um, the Dems don't really care. They think they're going to save the world, even though we know China's coal production is still going up, and so is India's. We think we're going to save the world, and we can counteract any flat fires in Canada by our new Green Deal, which is a bunch of crap, tell you the truth. I think people need to understand how these bills work in tandem, right? Because what happens is the legislature and, and the governor soon will sign a bill that sets an artificial deadline to meet X percent by 2035, 2040. And, and then the uh, Lansing will say, well, look, we have this deadline. It's a mandate. It's, it's a law. So uh, even if you don't want that solar farm in your backyard or the wind turbines just outside your window, um, I'm sorry, uh, local authorities can't say no. We're going to override and say yes, because look, we have to hit these these guideposts that we've we've set for ourselves. 100% correct, and it's artificial guideposts. You know, we have an IRP process we put in the bill in 2016, Integrated Resource Plan, and consumers in DT have been showing us, here's what we're doing to get green, here's what we're shutting down, here's what we're building, um, but it's not going as quick as the League of Conservation Voters wants, and basically, you know, the Republicans were not in the room for any of this legislation. They did not, they did not negotiate with us in any of this stuff, it was a League of Conservation Voters and the Democrats pulling along consumers in D.T. and telling them what's happening, and that's what happened. 
I've been talking about this legislation with a number of people and, and similar questions come up, so I'll ask you a few of them. One is on the costs of this ramp up in a very short period of time to move from where we are now to where, again, those artificial guideposts have been set at 65% or eventually 100% clean energy. What are estimates as to what this might cost the consumer in the short and long run? Our, our main estimates, we think, we think it'd be 25 or 30%. The Dems keep saying it's going to cost less because we got to, we're going to use all this federal money. What they're not telling you, though, is that there are project labor agreements that will come into place where all of the renewables must be built by union labor. I ask in committee meetings to the young man from the union, what's the percentage of union labor that will be able to build these facilities? He said about 20% of the workforce is union labor. So I said, hey, we're going to move up our timelines. We're going to take away some of our our energy production now, move our timelines up to go green, but we're not going to build it fast as you want it because we're only going to use 20% of the workforce. Is this true? And I got gaveled down by the chairman because he didn't want any tough questions for the person on the stand, but it's true. You want to push these mandates down our throat and then only use union labor, where you're not going to get it done as quick as you say you're going to get it done. Now you've already counteracted yourself. In fact, one gentleman in committee said, we will be powered by, by uh, technology that's not even invented yet. Seriously, we're going to shut down our coal burner and gas plants for technology we don't know about yet? Come on, let's get real here. The other question that I get, Senator Joe Bolino, is what exactly counts as green slash clean energy? And I usually say, well, it's it's what they say. It, it's what they say counts. It's how the bill is written. So what about uh, you know natural gas? What about nuclear? What actually counts toward meeting that mandate? Nuclear helps. Uh, the last iteration of the bill said they couldn't count their nuclear green energy until 2035, which doesn't make sense. They've acknowledged it's green, but you can't use it with your percentages, consumers, and DTs until 2035, which blows my mind. Um, Natural gas, they want to get rid of. We finally got them to stop. The the utilities did, not us. They wouldn't negotiate with us because they said we can't do it without natural gas. So we'll have some carbon uh, sequestration, which will also take away local control where the carbon will be put into the ground uh, because it says so in in, in these bills. What I thought was ironic is the NPSC chairman uh, proudly sat up there, and I've known Dan Scripps for a long time, very smart man, but he said, we can get to these percentages and we can do this without any hurt to the people. And I don't understand how he could say that with a straight face because there's no way in the world. Although, it, when you read these agreements, these, these bills, uh, if you can't pay for your energy, basically you're going to be held harmless. People in the big urban centers be held harmless, and they'll get their energy there. But us people in the, in the suburbs, out, out in the country, like Hillsdale, Lenaway, Monroe is, um, we're going we're gonna to pay for it because, A, we're going to put all the solar arrays and windmills in our territory. And uh, who knows if it's going to work. We have no idea about the technology in the future. My question to the committee was, I have a steel mill right next to my coal burner in Monroe. Uh-huh. It's used as an electric arc furnace. When that steel mill is down, the people in the plant know exactly that moment it goes down because the power changes in the coal burner of what's being pushed to that plant. Right. only a mile away. How will we power that steel mill mm-hmm. with a solar array? They have no idea how they're going to do it. No idea. They've also forcing DT and consumers to have 2,500 megawatts of storage by 2030, which they have no idea what they're going to use in technology yet because they know that that the lithium-ion battery won't be enough. Right. They've got to come up with other technology. 
uh, State Senator Joe Bolino, a couple of other quick questions about this. It's a big deal. The question I get from people as I talk about this bill, and I think it's a, a irrational one, is does it include uh, gasoline? For, you know, gasoline-powered cars. Does the bill do anything uh, uh, about gas across the state of Michigan? Well, that's coming. That's going to come up next. Uh, the the, uh, the the mileage stuff. Uh, that uh, they, they want to have California standard standards that people that run the state now, uh, which I think is atrocious. Um, so we'll see. I, I I feel confident that Ford. You know, they have some common sense. They're going to make gas cars. They told me for thirty five more years. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel confident. Remember when we went to no leaded gas? It took almost twenty five years. Yes. To go to almost all no lead, which was a long transition. Same thing's going to happen with this. We're not smart about electric cars in Michigan, and you're pushing us down our throat, and you have this money coming from the feds to build this infrastructure, mm-hmm. but if no one buys the car, why would you build the infrastructure? Right. And then finally, to uh, sort of underscore a point you made, there was testimony, uh, I guess it was, it was this week, it was earlier this week as we talk, from the uh, MPS chair about the amount of land that will be needed to hit these markers. Again, for 60%. Yeah. Michigan will need 209,000 more acres of land for solar and wind power. That's 326 square miles. I would say, estimate, you need to double that or so to get to 100%. So that's 700 square miles of Michigan land directly committed to either wind turbines or solar farms to meet these mandates. And as you said, it's not going to be in Detroit or Grand Rapids. It's going to be in places uh, like Hillsdale and the smaller communities that now under new legislation have no power to say no. Correct. It was brought up in committee that we have lots of state land and federal land north of the uh, Aranac Mason line, uh, you know, the middle of the middle of our, our mitten. And we could clear cut some land up there and put all our needs up there. But no, we can't do that because God bless. We'd cut down a couple trees <laughs> to uh, build a couple of wind turbines, you know, so. State yeah. Senator Joe Bolino, uh, more than just this bill happening in Lansing over this past uh, couple of weeks, uh, late in the session, uh, the House and Senate both passed financial disclosure rules, but much consternation and debate about exactly what they entail. Did these disclosure bills go far enough as far as you're concerned? No, they, they, they didn't go far enough, but it's a, good, it's a good starting point. And my fear was if we didn't pass this by the end of session, it went right to the Supreme Court where they would fashion the rules up. And uh, that was a little scary for me, the way our Supreme Court is, uh, is situated right now. So to have something to start with... Um, it, it, it's a good start. Um, at least we have some financial disclosure stuff. It won't take effect until basically my next election in three years. Um, I, there, there was a lot of debate whether uh, you should show the wife's assets and liabilities too, because right. the husband could or a wife could push, mm-hmm. or anybody could push it to their spouse, all, all the spouse uh, of the the capital and, and the, uh, uh, the stuff they own. But we'll, we'll see how it happens. Um, we got it done. We're the only state that didn't have one. Um, there was basically there was uh, three or four loud Democrats and three or four loud Republicans that didn't like it to start with, but but we got through the process, we got it done, and we didn't let the Supreme Court touch it, which is which my goal. This doesn't directly affect your chamber in the Senate, Senator Bolino, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can talk a bit about what will happen in the House because on Election Day you have two. House Democrats in Michigan elected mayors of their local communities, and that changes the balance of power in the House. What are the short-term effects of that until new members are chosen? Well, the short-term effect is, A, we ended session yesterday. It's called Sandy Die, so we're off now until at least January. And, B, next week, 
the, there'll be new mayors in Warren and Westland, and they're both Democrats. And so it would be 54-54 tie in the House, which means nothing will happen that will be shoved down our throat because things will have to be bipartisan now. They'll need our votes. With only 108 members, they'll need uh, 55 votes to pass something. The Dems only have 54 votes. So it will be in a standstill for a while, um, which, you know, I guess is good for us right now, for a Republican right now, because a lot of stuff that's been we've been voting on, I've been hitting no, you know, like 500 times so far. <laughs> I don't like what's been happening. So this will slow down for a while. But mark my word, the votes they're taking now, the votes they've taken up till now, will push the House to a Republican majority next fall, because these people that are in these tough seats are, are voting far left wing, and they're not representing their districts. So I'm confident we'll take over the House next fall over all these votes. And the House adjourned early, finished business. And if I read correctly, that's in part due to or maybe almost uh, solely because of the new date for the Michigan Democratic primary in 2024. Is that right? Yes. Well, not that, not by the speeches I heard yesterday. They told us they're having signing that early so they can uh, push the, uh, the uh, income tax cut for retirees out there which is an unfair bill. I voted no on that. It was, doesn't treat all retirement money the same. Mm-hmm. They, they, wanted, they said that they wanted to push the EI, the earned income tax credit, get, get done quicker to help working poor, which we told the Democrats, look, we'll give you immediate effect on the earned income tax credit, but we want to get this, this, this done. They said, ah, screw you. We're going to do sign die anyway. So they gave us a lot of speeches yesterday, but basically it was a lot of smoke. We're only doing sign die to push up the Democratic primary into February, where governor wants it, in case something happens the next three months with the, with the current president, then she can throw her hat in the ring, and she'll be in an early primary and jump out in the lead and possibly be president. That's, that's what this is all about. But, but you, you can, they can sugarcoat it any way they want. They could paint it whatever bright colors they want. It's all about moving the primary up. And what happens when you move the primary up? You violate the Republican rules, right. the national Republican rules. So we've had to mess up with our... Our primary, we're going to go half with votes or a percentage with this, percentage with that, which is complete BS. So that's what it was all about. Move, sign die, move the primary up, make Gretchen Whitmer the president. That's what it's all about. Uh, a few weeks ago, before end of session, uh, there was a, a, a package called the Reproductive Health Act that passed the House and Senate and then headed to the governor's desk. Uh, what's inside? It sounds it sounds harmless, the Reproductive Health Act, but what, what's inside and what should we be aware of? Well, there's a lot of egregious things in this. And the, 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 the thing that really blew my mind was I've been hearing from people on the other side of the aisle that, that abortion is health care. They've been shoving that towards down my throat for about four or five years now. And I'm reading the bill, you know, weeks ago, and we are going to, we are not going to, um, we're not, the department's not going to go through the abortion centers and license them like they do a doctor's office or a surgery center or even, God forbid, a hospital. They're not going to license them. A bill that we put into effect 12 years ago because we saw some places out there in the state that were doing abortions that were not clean at all. They, they gutted that. They, 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 they completely gutted that. So how can you tell me health care, uh, abortion is health care, and then you're going to send a lady to a place to have an abortion that's not licensed? by the department for cleanliness it blows my mind it blows my mind they did take out of their bills uh the uh the the minor can't have an abortion now without a mother or father's approval they had that in there till the end but the whole thing about safe and sanitary conditions 
and you've been telling me for years abortion is health care. It's a complete lie, complete falsehood. And so some people in the state have jumped into action, and we're going to try to change that. They also have argued, Senator Bolino, that if uh, abortion is illegal, then what happens is you have back alley dangerous abortions. Uh, and yet at the same time as you lay out the bill package, strips away the licensing requirements and, 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 and the safety requirements that apply to other health centers across the state. Yeah, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, sir. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, you uh, personally had some legislation that moved forward earlier this month, uh, banning the sale of objects used for the recreational inhalation of nitrous oxide. It's called laughing gas, uh, but as yes. you said in, in the press release, it's not exactly a laughing matter. This is dangerous. Yes, it's a, it's a huge problem in southwest Detroit. When Stephanie Chang, a friend of mine, was in, we were in the house together my first term, she came to me and says, Joe, let me show you these pictures. And she showed me all these metal canisters lining in the streets. And these young kids would go into gas stations and party stores, and they'd buy a 12-pack of, of these nitrous oxide packs for 10 bucks and get high for three days. And these are young kids. And so we banned it for minors. And so the stores, you know, started doing some different stuff, and, the, and, the, and we couldn't get the law enforcement. So now we've banned it completely. Now, some people will say, why did you ban that? Because bakers use it, to, you know, to frost cakes. And I understand that. I have a cousin who's a baker. I understand it completely. But this should not be sold in gas stations and party stores just so some unscrupulous retailer can make money on little kids and destroy the community because we're all becoming addicts of this. And, and it's, this is not a laughing matter. I've done this stuff in the past during my drug days. It can, it can make you do crazy stuff. And so I was all happy to join Stephanie again and pass some legislation to ban it. So that was good. State Senator Joe Bolino from the 16th State Senate District, including us here in the Hillsdale area. Uh, final question, off of Lansing activity and actually moving toward uh, uh, toward the courtroom, there is a trial currently over the redistricting maps that were drawn, mostly around the Detroit area districts. Uh, tell us what you learned or what we learned in the, in the trial this past week, and then also th- this would only affect uh, congressional districts, uh, not state Senate House districts, correct? No, incorrect. It will, okay. It, as the, the lawsuit affects, uh, I think it's six House seats and four Senate seats. So we, the Republicans have been, have been accused in the past of uh, cracking and packing, actually packing voters in the districts, and uh, we've been told we've been silencing their voices. So we voted a few years ago for this redistricting commission to do this work. Well, their their districts look worse than any Republican or Democrat district ever drawn. And what they did was, in order to make the state more Democrat, they went into the city of Detroit and they drew lines for the districts that were like strips of paper, long strips of bacon. Right. They came into Detroit, they went back to Oakland, back to Macomb County. Uh, deeper into Wayne County and the other areas of California. And they took the minority-majority district. Now, this is a federal law. You can't break up a minority district. You can't take a district that is 80% black, break it up into three districts so it's only 24% black in all the districts, and then have a white person elected. That's why these laws were put into a place to change the culture of the South voting. That's why we did this. But the redistricting commission said their their, uh, paid people came in and said, look, we can cut these districts down from 80% black down to 45% black, and they still have a chance to vote for a black person in the general election if it gets to the primary. They weren't thinking that the black folks would lose in the primary because they're in districts that are 35% black and 65% white, and they got obliterated in the last election. So I think that the redistricting commission broke the federal law 
They say they didn't. Um, but there's there's case study already from the Supreme, Supreme Court in the United States that went to Alabama and other states that mm-hmm. said, look, you can't pack or crack up these, these districts that are majority-minority districts and call it legal. It's illegal as heck. So they made Alabama change. And I believe the three judges that heard about this, they heard that had the hearings last week, will tell the redistricting commission, you've got 60 days to change it. Now, redistricting commission, led by the SOS, doesn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. They think it's okay right now, so they'll fight this in court for a while, but they're going to end up losing. And I believe they're going to change two Senate seats and at least three House seats around Metro Detroit. Now, that will have a domino effect for seats going out state, and it right. could have an effect on my Senate seat. You never know. But when you look at a seat like uh, Senator Kleinfeld, she has 11 precincts in Detroit. She got 94% of the votes of those 11 precincts. She got 49% of the votes in the rest of the precincts. Huh. So if they take those 11 away and push up to Macomb County, where it's more 50-50, she'll have a tough time winning the race now. Yeah, yeah. So they broke the federal law trying to make it things more democratic across the whole state, but you can't do that. And the, and the federal Supreme Court has showed us that. That's illegal. We're going to make a change it back. So we'll see what happens. State Senator Joe Bolino from the 16th Senate District, including us here in the Hillsdale area and uh, areas east as well. Senator Bolino, thanks so much for joining us here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.